We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Parkinson Spiegel Show. I mean, you guys are the best team in Chicago. Everybody knows that. We all know that the afternoon show is not afraid of anything, really. Yeah. But Afternoons on the score. It's a frustrating loss. We were down 4 nothing. We came back to tie it. It's the same club. You know, we lost 6-4. So you want to say we're lousy? Say we're lousy. We came back four nothing. But with the frustrating part, we, you know, we had about 10, 11 hits. You know, we had some chances for one hit to break open the inning. You know, Mandos came through a couple of times. We had good hitters, and we just left a lot of guys on base. So a very frustrating loss. You're not going to hear from Tony Larusa too much this season, if at all. We think it it feels like that's not going to happen. And Pedro Grafal has been empowered to run camp his way. And early returns from White Sox camp seem very positive. Would you agree? Absolutely. Um, Would you guys agree? White Sox fan, you you liking what you're hearing? I mean, it's just anecdotal at this point, but you liking what you're hearing? Yes, absolutely. Everything we thought we were going to get so far, you know, talked to McGuffey yesterday. So far, it sounds like he's delivering on all those promises that he made at the press conference about them playing tighter, fundamental ball. We saw a little bit in the games that we've seen on TV. Yeah, very impressed so far. And how much better do you think you'd feel if there was no Mike Clevenger drama? Be on cloud nine right now. You, you would because you'd see everybody highly motivated as they are, which is obviously still happening. But that that ugliness and that distraction is is definitely a drain. But, yeah, man, lots of drills, lots of active drills, lots of active coaching um, guys really enjoying it. Vibes are extremely high and the activity is high. So the lead of Bob Nightingale's story is the following. Hall of Fame manager Tony LaRusso was standing by the railing in Chicago White Sox chairman Jerry Reinsdorf's suite, keeping score, jotting down notes, and acting as if little has changed. LaRusso, 78, continues to battle serious health issues and undergoes weekly treatments, but has informed only his family and close friends his exact conditions. I heard Dan and Lawrence talking about it today, and it seemed to bother them. Dan, maybe a little more so than Lawrence, but I, I didn't hear the entirety of it, to be honest with you. I, I got to my destination. But, like, does it bother you guys that Tony is talking to Jerry and watching the White Sox with probably a ton of access, hanging out in the owner's suite, taking notes, and presumably passing them along to Jerry? It, it it does it bother you. It doesn't really bother me um, because they're buddies and always have been buddies. I assume that they've been phone call or texting buddies the entire time that Tony has not been working for a team, and they're not going to stop being friends. Danny, bother you? No, absolutely not. I think we knew this was part of it because we we saw how a season ended. It was a health situation, stepping down. Like it wasn't a firing that ended badly. And this is what he likes to do. Like he likes evaluating from the 30,000 foot view. So this is not a surprise, nor am I upset about it because we knew it was going to be part of it. But, at, you know, I think we talked about it uh, when he was officially 
you know, when they parted ways from the managerial role that, yeah, he was going to be, have a little bit of a part of it, but overall, like he was not going to, you know, be involved in the day to day so much where it was like micromanaging. Yeah. It's not a surprise, not angry. It's fine. It's just a guy who loves baseball and is still a friend of Jerry Reinsdorf. How much damage can he do with a stopwatch? This, that's, <laughs> this should have been his role the last two years. That would have been fine. We all would have loved that. You would have, you would have loved that as, as there was an actual present energetic manager. Yeah. Shane, bother you? No, n- not at all. As long as Tony doesn't start to make managerial decisions and Jerry and Rick start to value what he says more over Pedro Grafal, then no. Just keep the guy quiet and in the background. Well, or, I, think, I think Jerry's going to value it. Jerry will value J- it. Jerry's going to value it. Now, what impact that has now that he has allowed Rick to hire Pedro, we don't know. But I... I'm with you, Tanny. Like I, I feel like we talked about it. That it was like he's not going to go away. He's going to still have Jerry's ear. And the White Sox job is an interesting one because, on in some ways, it's a very good job. Pedro Grafal talked about it. He talked about like this is a roster that's not rebuilding. They're ready to win. They've got a top ten payroll in baseball. They got a really talented roster. Those are things that in, in, in a winnable division with yep. no juggernaut financial outlier and a world class city, baby. Yeah, you don't. But you don't need to deal with the Yankees and the Red Sox. Or if you're in the NL West, sure. you don't need to deal with the Dodgers and the Padres. It's like it's a fairly clean path to making the playoffs year in and year out if you've got this caliber of roster and this level of payroll. It's a fairly clean path. But they're going to have to play a lot more of those AL East teams this year than they did in previous years because in-division games are decreasing by that much. Yeah, right. the the You're going to be flash. more exposed to teams that are better than every team in your division sure. because it's a crap-ass division. That's sure. right. But, but I just... I, it, it, is, it, it is a good job, but it also comes with... It's with the White Sox. So that means that there are multiple chefs in the kitchen there are multiple voices you'll have to navigate and you hope that it's clean but the owner can text at any time that's the thing it's like it's a good job with headaches it's a good job with I, i i imagine it's not the most comfortable thing in the world to know that the guy that the mm-hmm. big boss wanted to do your job is still there talking to the big boss with pen and paper in hand yeah. with i mean Pedro doesn't have Jerry's ear more than Tony does. That's got to be a little weird. Yeah. When Tony's already in the Hall of Fame and was there, but he knows that Tony failed with these guys and he has the shot now. Right. But I wonder how common it really is like to have to accept the fact that some of these owners who are involved have buddies in the game. And they just talked to him. Remember, that's I feel like it, this wasn't a jarring thing for us because we talked to George Brett when we had that long, bizarre, wonderful, <laughs> rambling conversation. We should find an excuse to call George Brett. Oh, back. I could not agree more. Time it for like four thirty when he's getting off the golf course. See, if, see if he's been able to find the Sudoku. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. didn't respond to my texts about uh, Super Bowl picks. Oh. So maybe we're on the pay no mind list. No, oh, I don't know. No, that, that's not, not a no that's, pay no mind. That's not flattering enough for George Brett. George Brett, I think, needs feel needs to feel like he's wind and dined and he's important. He's George freaking Brett. We need we need an Chicago dash six. I don't even know what that freaking <laughs> means. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Weighted runs created. Yeah, Chicago but, needs your stories and your insight, George, sir. We'd like to give you twenty minutes of basically uninterrupted drive time airtime. He he, <laughs> he he broke a little news when he was talking to us, but it was just like matter of fact what he was saying. 
right? Yeah. Jerry called me and he said, tell me about this Pedro guy. And then we had a conversation and then Tony called me. So they're doing their homework just like every executive, every owner would do. They're doing homework. They want to get some scoop on these guys. And and I don't think you're going to find a lot of negative scoop on Pedro. We, that's just the way he is. We haven't heard any yet. Uh, that's that's, yeah. that's amazing. And, you know, it's like being a presidential candidate. You know, somebody's going to start digging some stuff up. But good luck to you. <laughs> You know? Yeah, no, it's fascinating. So I, I think White Sox fans would even be interested in knowing that Tony was involved in this. And Well, I don't know how involved Tony was, but Tony called me. I, uh, I still don't know. Tony wouldn't tell me his ailment or what caused him to resign or, or whatever. He said he knows, Reinsdorf knows, and his wife knows, and that's it. And, and I'm going to Arizona tomorrow, and I know, I know Tony – um, I know Jerry, they have uh, <laughs> breakfast, uh, Bud Selig, uh, a bunch of baseball executives go to this little deli on Saturday mornings. I might stop by, you know, Saturday morning and about two miles from my house and say, uh, you know, hey, who's buying me breakfast this morning? <laughs> I love that guy. I'll text him again. We'll see. Oh All right. Great. great. Yeah. But, uh, so there's just he's just blithely saying, yeah, they're investigating Pedro Grafal because George is Kansas City. Tony called me, and you were like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's interesting. Uh, but they're buddies. You can't keep them from being friends. No, no, you can't keep them from being friends. But like, I to me, like both things can be true. It's not surprising. It might be a little annoying for Pedro Grafal, but like breaking news on the score. The White Sox job is weird. You know, like yeah. Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn and Jerry Reinsdorf sure and Tony is. La Russa and the leak receptacles, as you call them, to journalists all over the nation. Like yeah. they, they, they basically keep USA Today in print with all the stories they give them. You want, Now that you mention leak receptacles, how about the entire perspective of this and every other Bob Nightingale piece about the White Sox and the entire Tony La Russa saga? This entire piece is designed to make it look like Tony was blamed unfairly, yeah. obviously. And everybody's like, and the Joe Kelly quote that leads that off about last year, everybody crap talking how they were last year. Joe Kelly said, quote, nobody was taking accountability. It was easy for the fans to say it was Tony's fault. It was easy for the writers to say it was Tony's fault. It was easy for other teams from afar to say it was Tony. It didn't matter who was managing. We didn't play hard enough. We didn't focus enough. We embarrassed ourselves. So here's the thing about that to Joe Kelly that I want to say, and I'd love to talk to him. Yeah, the players weren't accountable. The manager is the one who has to force the players to be accountable. That's like one of the guiding principles of the entire job. He's the one who's supposed to be well, paying don't they attention. Say the players have to police the clubhouse uh, on some level, that's, but that's like the new modern baseball thinking thing. But, but that's without a manager who's napping every day and is approachable and is actually engaged. The, as you know, the descriptions later in the story about Tony, he was barely present. So that's the issue. That's why he's an energy vampire. Is that? He wasn't even present. So how? that's no starting point. The matter is, hey, you guys make each other accountable. Let's have a leadership council. You do this or whatever. He was, he was barely even freaking paying attention. Okay, well, so that's the part of the story that I actually thought was most interesting. And it was well below the lead half of the article. Um, this paragraph and then quote from, from Lance Lynn. So this is Bob Nightingale's reporting. And then there's the quote. It was clear to veterans like Lance Lynn 
who played for La Russa in St. Louis, that La Russa was not himself most of the year. Most of the year. He had little energy. He needed daily naps. His voice was so soft that it was often hard to hear him. Here's the quote from Lynn. I love Tony to death, and you could tell he wasn't 100% of what he wanted to be. We knew Tony was going through a lot and tried to be there for him, but you know Tony. He wasn't going to let us know what was going on. He told us about the heart stuff, but there was more, way more stuff going on. He still won't tell anybody, but that's why you love him. He wanted to make it about the team, not about him. Now, that's admirable, and obviously we all wish Tony the best health and he's getting the the weekly checkups and all of that, but that – it was reported at the time Man. that Tony was in uniform. Remember? He was in uniform. He did his pregame meet with the media. Mm-hmm. Then he got a call from his doctor that something came up on a test, and he had to leave urgently, and yeah. he got on a plane, and he went and did more testing. That was how the story was told. Mm-hmm. The way that Lance Lynn describes Lance it. Lance Lynn is talking about it. Bob Nightingale is talking about it. The, most of the year, he wasn't himself. He's taking daily naps. The players could barely hear him because his voice was so soft. Lance Lynn said, ah, we knew about the heart stuff, but there was way, way more going on. Man, th- you're lucky he didn't die. Yes. Like, that's a high-stress, high-pressure job. I know that Jerry, like, forced that hiring on any everybody and hid the DUI charge from Rick and everyone else, but, like, that is so negligent. It's it that is negligent is right. That 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 is like really playing with fire. Like not only with the baseball season, and we know how disastrous that went. Yeah, but with the man's health, with, the, with, the players can't hear him. Mm-hmm. He's taking naps every day. That's crazy. That is crazy. Most of the year. Yeah, it is. It is. How, how many crazy. games did the interim manager manage last year? Cairo. How, how many games did Cairo manage? Was Eight, it eighteen, something like that. Right. So I mean, most Might of the year. So, 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 he managed 80 games with health problems, 100 games with health problems. That's crazy, man. Be, being barely present like that with little or no energy, could barely hear him talk and, and taking naps. It is, it is negligent um, in is terms of the health. wildly reckless. 34 it, games for Miguel Cairo. 30, 34, 34 okay. games. Thank it, you. It is also it, it is an egregious misuse of power at the expense of of the ball club and the winning window and the fans' excitement and the players maximizing their potential. And it it confirms everything that a lot of people felt, which is that you gave up this time for your own vanity project and your own buddy, which he has every right to do as an owner. But my God, was that an egregious misuse of power. But I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think we all thought it was just the misuse of power. I believe that my good friend who I made a mistake in firing, who's in the Hall of Fame, is going to bring a veteran presence and some authority and accountability to this thing, and he's the right manager for the job. Man, he's taking naps every day, and the players can't hear him, and he had health issues the whole season. Yeah. We we were talking about Tony, you know, the Tony Cash and making fun of him and all that. We didn't know that he had health issues in May. Right. Well, in June, I, I, and, and if it, they did, and Tony clearly did, and you presume that Jerry did, I'm not saying that Rick knew, yeah, 
Because why? Why would I assume that Rick knew anything? Because he didn't. He wasn't told about the DUI. Like he, Tony went to Jerry. He didn't go to Rick. I said. Like, I just looked back at my notes here. It was the end of June. I wrote this open letter to Jerry Reinsdorf. I don't think I ever sent. But like we talked about it plenty. The, the closed letter. Oh, yeah, oh, that's true. Speaks. I should have sent it. Could have used that. I know. I had. could have made a move earlier. It would have been yeah. right around five hundred probably. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think he would have done it. But he he clearly lacked the stamina to be on point all game long. And I realized how many times i felt sympathy a couple of times listening to him post game it, it was it was so sad the game quite literally passed him by and i, I wrote it here i should have i should have put it out out of kindness and love and respect jerry should not allow it to continue for his friend his friend embarrassed himself all year long and jerry let him go out like that it, it on top of the health issues and and damaging him physically he let him go out with his legacy tarnished and embarrassed at the end yeah i I just I read that piece and I honestly felt like the lead or the most newsworthy part of it was pretty deep into the story. It's not that Tony's still around the White Sox hanging out with Jerry in the booth. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a weird optic and that's an uncomfortable workplace dynamic for Pedro Grafal, but yeah. it's the White Sox. There's gonna be uncomfortable workplace dynamics. Lance Lynn knew his manager had health issues the majority of the season, and yeah. they couldn't hear him when he was talking, and yeah. he was taking naps every day. And, and that, that is, I know. And they, they he, had no manager. And they, right, correct. <laughs> they, they had no manager last year. Danny, you're on it. But I'm just saying that you're that there. is. But that no, but that's finally different. someone says it. <laughs> no, that, but that's different. No, I, that I, is different I, than I what we were talking about, man. That we th- we thought that he was empowering the clubhouse and just staying out of it. Because they were veterans. No, I thought he was not paying attention and not being present and and energetic and talking to those guys. I thought he didn't have the stamina to get through a freaking season, let alone a game or a week or a month. And the team played like it. And here's all the quotes now from all the players admitting that they were playing like that. Just just how bad it was. Do you, do you read the thing from uh, from Elvis Andrus? Because Andrus just got here, right? Andrus shows up and says, "Man." Guys were taking it easy, being cautious. That was not coming from this training staff or this strength coach. It was us players not going pedal to the metal. We're running out of time. When we started speeding up, we couldn't even catch up. It was hard to believe. I mean, this was a team that should have been in first place easy. You look around, there was so much talent. The game is a lot more than talent. Andrus was disgusted and, like, freaked out when he showed up. And that's part of why I'm so glad that he's back because he's going to call him out if he sees anything like that. That thing was gross and broken because of his lack of presence. Yeah, but but again, it sounds like it might not have been his fault, man. Like, if he had serious health issues, which he clearly does and did. Yeah, Jerry should have removed him. Right, like, did he know he had serious health issues, that he was just, like, being a stubborn old man? Amen. Which is very common, and you were like, I'm in denial, or I don't want to go to the doctor, I don't want to get this checked out. Like, that's a super common thing. Or did Jerry know? How, how many of us have had to keep our parent from driving yeah. or had to make a decision for the betterment of our beloved elderly? And of course. this was Jerry's, and Jerry did not see it like that at all. He didn't see, you know, he just, he thought he was being good to his friend by letting him do it as long as he wanted to. For Tony some, wrote his own ticket. For some, it's taking away your parents' car keys. For others, it's, hey, don't bat Larry Garcia that high. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Where is Leori? 
by the way. He's around. I, he's around. I always forget. I always forget where, where Leori is. He, oh, he, that, that dude's going to get cut. He is. I think he's going to get DFA'd. Texters, like, yeah, if he had no energy and was falling asleep and taking naps, Kenny or Rick should have removed him. I don't know that they were empowered to do it, but I – I, they were not. But that but they, 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 they were clear. They're, stay, stay right there. Kenny and Rick did not have the power to remove him. But I want, I want to know if they knew. If, like Lance Lynn saying, I knew that we knew that there was way more going on. You've got to then presume that Kenny and Rick did. So you got to presume that Jerry did. So did they know? Tony would rev it up for important moments. He'd rev it up to talk to post game and seem like he was uh, at least mildly coherent and present and, and healthy. He must have revved it up for those moments when he needed to show it to Jerry. Yeah, that's that, when he walked tallest. That's just a, that's a, that's a very interesting to me revelation of like, I wonder who knew what, when, and was Tony just managing with health problems? Was Jerry aware of it? How aware were the players? When were they aware of it? Like that, that is a, <laughs> Pedro Grafal having Tony Larusa in the manager or in the owner's suite is one thing. The players thinking, "Ah, eh, our manager's napping right now because he's yeah. sick. We're in on this on our own." What do that you, that what, is a that is an entirely different thing, man. What do you guys want to do? Yeah. <laughs> what, how, how do you guys want to want to have this game tonight? Anyone want to go into the manager's office uh-huh. and risk waking him up? Right. Like, like that, that's crazy. And, 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 is anybody gonna be afraid if they make a mistake that the manager is gonna be held accountable? He might not notice. We had multiple specific examples of that. Yeah. Last year, yeah, of him not noticing stuff and having to be alerted to stuff. So I hope he's okay. Like the 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 severity and like the length at which it seems like these health issues might have existed, and he was just managing out of stubbornness, or he was the fact that he was allowed to do it. That is uh, that puts a new spin on it, at least for me, for what we saw for months of uh, last year's baseball season. Your seventeenth favorite player uh, coming up in about twenty five minutes, but an awesome moment. Uh, in sports radio that I think is worth playing and discussing the possibilities that it provides next on The Score. You know, I, I go on The Score every Monday out there and talk with uh, Matt and Danny. Yeah, Danny Matt's Parkins, one of the old-timers. I'm right here. Yeah, thank you, Gio. I'm right here. That's my buddy Greg Giannotti. does mornings in uh, in New York with Boomer Esiason, who comes on with us every week. Their show crushes it. Mornings on WFAN. Gio's a really talented dude. You Mitch know. Rosen gets the award out in, out in Chicago, and it's uh, to the executive who best demoralizes his employees. Shakes <laughs> <laughs> is named after the Mark Mar- Chernoff. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> so, just an incredible ah! shot. Oh, that's phenomenal. Yeah. So an incredible shot at Chernoff. I don't uh, think I don't think you call yourself one of the all timers enough. You don't lead with that yeah, enough. You know. I mean, maybe you do subconsciously. Maybe that's behind the scoffs. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't think my head got to be this big. I don't know, man. And G, you know, Giannotti's a good dude. Yeah, we, we've uh, we've hung out together a little bit, but he's super talented, and uh, you know, he doesn't get as much love as as Boomer does sometimes, right? Boomer's kind of you know he's the star, he's the former MVP. Carton's obviously got the TV show and longtime FAN guy and the scandal, but Gene yeah. he's crazy talented, and uh, he drives the number one morning show in New York. Hey Marcus, go cough on this guy, <laughs> and then you cough on him, and then you cough on the whole secondary. Yeah, it does voices. He's fantastic. So back to back calls. Uh, this morning in New York that uh, making waves. So we'll play them in order here, and I think his response especially to the second one, but it all builds, and you'll understand the point here. So here's the first call uh, that uh, set off Giannotti. Boomer, the show should be uh, called uh, Boomer and Mary. Uh, I mean, uh, 
and Gio has been hanging around too many women. It's like, uh, he, he complained, you know, he, he, he rats out his friends. He ratted out the, the guy that gave him the pictures, Amanda Laura. He ratted you out when you were getting uh, food there. You thought you could get for free. You know, it's uh, what's going on with him. You know, guys keep things to themselves. They don't rat their friends out. Hold on, time out a second. <laughs> One, you're way off on this. <laughs> way <laughs> off on you're this. Way off. Hold yeah. on, wait, hold on. Let me, and, let me explain. Problem, hold problem, on, shut up, you misogynist. Right, Listen, on, here we go. Stop. Yes, you are. Go call Boomer Mary because you've been around women. You want? You need the definition of misogyny. You need that dumbass. It's called a man who hates women and tries to belittle them, which you just did. So now what? Suck on that, you. What now? Yeah, what now? What now, Jerry? I'll meet you when I drive home in Comac, and I'll shove my fist right down your throat. How's that sound? How does that? I don't want to meet you. Yeah, okay. You beat. Do you ask? Do you? Do you? Do you? Do you have daughters? Because I have daughters. You're Boomer and Mary. I've got daughters. Shove it up your ass. <laughs> oh my God. By the way, we should have a company wide conversation about why so much of that needed to be beeped. Because, like, he's doing it on the radio for the same company in New York. Yeah, I, I was trying to figure out whether it was him being beeped or the caller no, being it was beeped. Geo. Who's Giannotti? He called him the D word multiple times. Ah, but I mean, it's kind of. I feel like we should be able to say that. Well, the P word version of the D word too. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> the P word version. Okay, so so I can say it in this context: you're going to the doctor and you get a finger prick to 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 draw blood. Yeah. yeah. So without the finger portion, he's calling him that. Uh, we're, we're technically not allowed to say that. Oh right, that I is you know which what? is so stupid because if I could say it in that context, you should be able to say that. Yeah, I should be able to call you one. I th- and I think you can't. And you have. Yeah, it's a I think yeah, yeah, I think you can. I think that's on Mitch. We, we're we're a little softer here than other stations. Yeah. Rightfully so, I think. Oh, here he comes. Oh boy. Oh, here right, he comes. Right. Here we go, Jim. Lock it in. No, no, I think you should be able to say that. I think you should be able to say it. You know, it, looking back, I think Shane's description was actually right. The P word version of the D word. Yeah. Danny's still confused. <laughs> I got it now. Huh? No, I got it. But yeah. it, it makes sense. Because right, so at first I think it meant penis. I'm like, no, you can say that. We've established. Yeah, That's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, no you problem. You can call penis. each other that around here constantly. Yeah. Wait, we're, yeah, this, this station's known for calling people penises. I mean, you can say that. No problem. Yeah. But Just for some reason, you can't term. say finger prick. Right. You can also say schmuck around these parts, yeah. I believe. It's very confusing. Yeah. Boy, Mitch is going to, he's yeah. having health problems on the <laughs> other side of the glass right now. But so then, so Gio's all hot and bothered because someone was misogynistic to him, said it should have been the Boomer and Mary show. And then the, the next car decides to pick up the baton. Bill in Connecticut, what's happening? Uh, Gio? Yeah, we, we're here. I just yeah. left, actually. I'm yeah. not here anymore. I'm on my Gio. way home. <laughs> Uh, I uh, I kind I, I definitely agree with you about the 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 woman comment. Um, I have a uh, I'm the father of a daughter as well. But you know I have to be honest with you in that sometimes you bring the show to the level of these housewife shows with your scuttlebutt and this that and the other things. Some of the soft things you do in general. You like know, what? Give me an example. So so the most but, entertaining reality TV franchise you're comparing our show to? Hmm. Well, and we're in the what yeah. entertainment business? No, no, I, I agree. Uh, uh, you, you have a great show. Yeah. All I'm just saying is, um, you like know, like, 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 well, the whole thing with the shoes and the socks. What are you talking I mean, about? For me, when, 
you basically stopped the show because you couldn't... Yeah, I had an anxiety attack. So, yeah, I had a legit anxiety attack that day, and that's what was going on. So you're, you're taking on that thing? That's the thing you're going to point out? Let me, let me ask you a question. Or let me ask Boomer a question. No, no, ask you me know. a question. You're, you're bringing it to me? Keep him out of it. Let's go. I, you have had terrible points so far. You've brought up a panic attack and called that soft, which is complete BS. You're lucky I didn't hang up on you at that point. What else do you got? No, that, that's right. But you know what? You can say that from my point of view, an anxiety attack like that, you know what? I'm, I'm of the mindset, and I'm probably more from I'm, I'm, I'm older than you. You know, you just got to suck it up. Oh, my <laughs> God. You are you, you serious, Bill? You got to suck it up. You know how many people have killed themselves because they were told to suck up their mental illness? Seriously. You know how many people? That's the most insulting thing I've heard all the time. <clears throat> I've had I've gone to therapy. I'm on two different medications. I'm trying my best to get through the things that I have wrong with me. And you're telling me to suck it up. I mean, this is why you get a lot of people who go through real trauma that are out in like wars and then come back here and kill themselves because they were told to suck it up because of guys like you, Bill in Connecticut, because I'm soft because I had a panic attack. That's a real thing, man. It's a real thing. If you don't want to believe it, then. Quite frankly, you're not smart enough or intelligent enough to understand it. I mean, you're soft because you had a panic attack. That's what I've heard. I mean, we have got the most idiotic Neanderthal callers out there. This is not 1945 anymore, man. Women are equal and people have mental illness. Anybody else want to bring on something else? You want to go? Anybody want to call up and knock some black people while we're at it? Let's do that. Hispanics. So we've already taken on women and people with mental illness. What about little people? Want to take them on too today? What are we doing? You're soft because you had a panic attack. It's 2023, man. And I'm not, I'm, that's not going to hurt me anymore. It's not. I'm of the old school. No, you're not. You're an idiot. You're an idiot who hasn't developed. Don't give me that crap. Don't ever bring that crap in here again. You're soft if you're mentally ill or have anxiety. I swear to God, if you were in front of me right now, I'd show you what soft is. <laughs> I was going to curse again, so I shut my mic off. Smart. Oh, my God. I love that, man. That's so good. Good job, Gio. That's great. That's good stuff, man. Oh, God. It's so triggered. I hope, uh, hope he's not having anxiety afterwards. Probably feels good to just let it fly, though. Yeah, man. To express it. Selling his truth. Oh, good for God. him. Want to make fun of little people now? It's amazing. I kind of do want um, I want to call and just bring up some obscure group of people and start making fun of them <laughs> to him and see if we'll go off. He's a defender. He's, 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 he's ready to defend. He should be. That's Let great. me tell you about the Jews. Oh, wait a minute. That's me. Yeah, that's yeah, not yeah, an obscure don't, group. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> I know we're all in the same company, but yeah, yeah. it'd be it'd be a problem. But no, man, that's good stuff. That is that that is passion. That is fire. That is speaking truth to stupid. That's mm. still being edgy, but it's uh, not regressive. It's progressive. So that's 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 good stuff there. And you know, we've talked about this, man. Like mental health has taken sports has kind of done a behind the times for a long time. But at this but, point, it's sports has done an amazing job. Amazing. It, it, it feels like in the last five years. Yeah. Maybe. Like, like Ke- Kevin Love. Kevin Love is the first one I thought of. 
talking about his panic attacks and anxiety and just like doing that Players Tribune piece. And now every team has, you know, mental health professionals. Yep. And it's just, it's uh, Naomi Osaka. So, so many examples. Sports has just done a really, really good job of Zach Grinke embracing it and just talking mm-hmm. about mindfulness and everything that you can do. Uh, to try to help it, but acknowledging it as a real thing. Hey, man. It's great. I I, uh, I sing in a band with a play-by-play guy and bass player who wrote a song called Pills about anxiety. And I think about it every time we play. He's like, you you know, like, you don't have to be ashamed. It's, it's some of the lyrics in there. You don't have to be afraid, you know. You can you can walk around with your head held high in this town. I mean, that's he wrote that when he's play by play TV guy for the Cubs. I would, respect, you know, absolutely, absolutely. So absolutely, good stuff by Greg Giannotti out of New York. Uh, the seventeenth favorite baseball player of Matt Spiegel's thirty years. The man's been in here for thirty Chicago baseball summers, so he's counting us down one a day, four forty-five to opening day. Number seventeen, next on the score. He's got a chance. Go. We're counting down the days to opening day. Happy opening day. By celebrating some of Chicago baseball's all-time greats. There go number 400. But Big Frank, you can't put it on the board. Yes. Here comes the hook. Got it. 20 strikeouts. It's Matt Spiegel's top 30 favorite Chicago baseball players of the last 30 years. Matt Spiegel is one of the great baseball people, and not only in this town, but across the country. From Abreu. Sox win! Sox win! On a grand slam by Jose Abreu. To Big Z. Carlos Zambrano has no hit! The Houston Astros! Matt Spiegel counts us down to opening day. Wow, is that huge! Matt Spiegel's 30 players for 30 years. That's how you do it. On the Parkins and Spiegel Show on 670 The Score. Every day at this time, Matt Spiegel will be revealing a baseball player who he loves with his proprietary system. 30 players, 30 shows leading us into opening day. Number 30 was Alfonso Soriano, 29, Ray Durham, 28, Carlos Lee, 27, Ryan Sandberg, 26, Maglio Ordonez, 25, Kyle Schwarber, 24, Big Z, Carlos Zambrano, 23, the man who was on earlier today, Black Jack McDowell, and man, was he on the show today, 22, (laughs) Ryan Dempster, 21, Tim Anderson, 20, Alexei Ramirez, 29, uh, 19, Jermaine Dye, 18, Aramis Ramirez, number 17, Robin Ventura. I first became aware of him, Danny, in high school because Ventura had a hitting streak at Oklahoma State. Anybody remember how long the hitting streak was at Oklahoma State? Fif- long. 58 games. Yeah, it's a long one. He beat DiMaggio. It's still the Division One record. Three-time All-American there. Led the nation in runs and RBI as a freshman at Oklahoma State. Hitting in the big leagues harder. He never hit better than 300 as a member of the White Sox. But in an eight-year stretch, years three through ten of his career, the OPS dropped below 800 twice. Once it was 799, once it was 785. He hit over 285 times, hit 20 or more homers five times. He drove in 100 runs twice, more than 96 times. And he won five gold gloves while he was here. Became a fabulous Defensive third baseman. Uh, this highlight precedes me in town, but it's Tanny's favorite of Robin's incredible 18 grand slams. This comes against Goose Gossage and the Texas Rangers in 1991. 
Sox win it. Ten to eight. Sweet swinging. Robin Ventura's second homer of this ball game is fourth hit. As the Sox with two out. Bottom of my inning. And a curtain call for Robin Ventura. Well deserved. My goodness, can he do it on the last day of July? That's pretty cool. Hawk and Wimpy going nuts, man. And here's the thing about his grand slams. He's tied with Willie McCovey for fifth at 18. Okay? He did it in 294 homers. McCovey has 18 in 521 homers. Eddie Murray has 19 in 504 homers. Manny Ramirez, 21 in 555 homers. Lou Gehrig, 23, 493 homers. And A-Rod, 25 in almost 700 homers. That's nuts to me that Ventura has that many grand slams. So 18 of his 294. Yeah. Yeah, not a huge career total. Good number, but not a huge one to have that many grand slams. That is crazy. Insane. Uh, My first season in town, 93, tumultuous for Robin. Uh, For one thing, that's the year he got his head noogied by Nolan Ryan. Yeah. It was 20, yeah. 20 years older than him. Probably the thing he's most known for. Yeah, I know. It's sad. Yeah. He hates that part of his legacy. I don't think he should. He attacked an all-time great, tried to hold his own. You know, he, yeah. was, he was doing what he, what he thought was, was right. Um, Taddy grabbed this from the Facing Nolan documentary about why Ventura did it. You'll hear the voices of Dave Winfield, Roger Clemens, Pete Rose, Pudge Rodriguez, and Nolan Ryan himself. The White Sox were actually in the American League West at that time. Had Bo Jackson... And the Rangers had had these battles with these guys. And so this one night, the White Sox said, if no one hits anybody tonight, whoever it is, you're going to go to the mound. So there was a bounty on Nolan's head. If you get hit by Nolan and you don't charge the mound, it's going to cost you 500 bucks. Ventura happened to be the first one that day to get hit. When Robin Ventura went out there, I just thought he wasn't quite serious. He wasn't fully committed. <laughs> Most guys who charged him out, if you had a microphone on him, you could hear him say, Grammy catcher, Grammy catcher, I don't want to get out there. Before you could blink, no one had him like a, a baby calf in a headlock. Grabbing like was grabbing a bull. I was right there, best sit in the house. <laughs> I went down, I was on the bottom of the pile, and I was laying face first into the dirt. It was one of the scariest moments of my life. I couldn't breathe, and I really, truly thought that I was going to pass out. Then all of a sudden, this big arm came into the pile and reached under my shoulder and pulled me out, and it was Bo Jackson. Man, that's great. He had no choice. Five hundred so bucks. So he did it for five hundred bucks, man. And, and, what, and what, what do you think he made pressure. Well, yeah, yeah well, it was right, but I, well, I to want... avoid paying five hundred bucks. Right, that's well, that's what I'm saying. It was a five hundred dollar bounty, so and, and teammate pressure, like you said. But I wonder what Robin Ventura would pay to have not done it now, <laughs> given that it's the number one thing that people think about. With you. you think it's fifty grand? Oh god! But you, you know what I mean? You think it's a hundred x what he would have had to pay in the moment? Right after that segment, if of not the, more, of the documentary airs, there's a little thing on the screen. Robin Ventura declined to be interviewed right. for this documentary. Yep, I'm sure he did. Oh, I'm sure he too did. Bad. But that whole decade, man, it was Robin and Frank. He was Robin to Frank's Batman, obviously. The Big Hurt and Ventura. 97, I was a producer for McNeil and Boers. That spring training, Robin slid into home plate, got his cleat caught in the dirt, dislocated, and broke his ankle. It was freaking gruesome. And some people were like, he might never play again. He's out for the season. 
He busted his ass in rehab. He came back in late July, which is crazy that he was able to do that and had the game-winning hit that night. Um, the legacy was tarnished by the managerial stint he agreed to out of obligation and loyalty. His best quality as a manager was that, that five months when he wasn't Ozzie Guillen at the beginning of, of 2012. Oral Hershiser really liked Robin, though. He is not a stranger any place in the world. He's a, he lights up a room. Not a stranger any place in the world, Danny. That'd be tiring. <laughs> I'd want to be a stranger someplace. I like being a stranger a lot of places. I know. Yeah. But he lit up a room. Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, at the end of his playing career, said Robin was deteriorating. And he let him leave in 99. He hit 301 with 32 homers and 120 RBIs for the Mets. Mm. Finished sixth in MVP voting. He is the best third baseman in the history of the White Sox. Tops in his position all time in homers, RBIs, and runs scored. And was super fun to watch. Offense, I give him a nine. Defense, I'll give him an eight. Vibes, I give him a nine. Teammateship, i give him a nine. And memorable moments, uh, only a seven. Because he only made the playoffs that one time. And he went four for 20. In the playoffs. But Robin Ventura, number 17 on the list. That's cool. It's been fun for me to like learn about these guys through your eyes and perspective. Obviously, I was a kid for some of them. Some of them are more recent. I was living in Chicago for a lot of them, not for some of them. But every time I pull up the baseball reference page and I just kind of look at it, I'm like, so six of his years with the White Sox, he had more walks than strikeouts. Uh-huh. That's awesome. It just is in awesome. terms of like having a great eye and patience. And like you look at his batting average to his OBP numbers, like just huge, huge jumps because he had a great eye and great plate discipline year in and year out. Just an all around baseball player. Almost 300 homers, a ton of walks, six gold gloves uh, over the course yeah. of his career. Just like a very good all around baseball player. Look at the teams he played for after he left the White Sox the Mets, the Yankees, and the Dodgers. The Dodgers. Yeah. So the biggest markets and the biggest like. Most established franchises wanted him because he had that that rep and he was just super solid. Um, great moment with his Mets playoff career. He he ran off the field by accident after hitting a game winning walk off homer in the playoffs. So he forgot and ran off the field and he should have been called out and the Mets should have lost that game, but they eh. they didn't. Yeah, his ball goes over the wall. He pulled yeah. Fred Merkel. He had a boner like Fred Merkel. That's that's true. I'm just referencing baseball history. Yeah, no, we were discussing what can and can't be said today. Right. How high is he on your list, Tanny, of favorite White Sox? Oh, are you kidding me? Uh, probably top five. That was that was one of my guys. Like, Frank and Robin, like, there's nothing better. That Grand Slam in 91, I'm eight years old. I was told to go to bed, but that's when you have the radio. That's baseball is your companion sport. And here's I'm listening to Rooney and Farmer call that Grand Slam back in the day. That's those type of players, that type of team is how you fall in love with the game of baseball right there. So anyone on that on that era, like in the 93 team, like, you know, having Blackjack on, that was awesome. But I had the Costacos Brothers Hot Corner Robin Ventura poster on my wall as a kid. I sent it to the group this morning. I still have it. Uh, yeah, that, that was one of the dudes right there for sure. Played an awesome Awesome third base, uh, you know, defensively. He was just a, a joy to watch. And plus from the left side, uh, just a, a really sweet swing. One of my favorites. Played against Blackjack McDowell in the College World Series, by the way. So we're halfway home on the list. Uh, oh, I guess one more. Right? Yeah, one more. Right, one more. One more. All right. One more. I'm going to do that one tomorrow. Not missing any days. That makes sense. That's a big plan. That's a good day. That was funny. It. You said Blackjack McDowell was on the show, and boy, was he on the show. <laughs> he was just very on the show. That guy has thoughts. At the beginning, I thought it was like we were going to just do one sentence answers the whole time. Oh, I know. It was scary. It's like, come on. Uh, yeah. Expand. 
there's follow up thought. There was but then no, he started giving them. Yeah, I did. But there was it was it was difficult to align with his timing and logic. <laughs> yeah, but whatever. It's fun, man. That's why we call him. Guy's got thoughts. Yeah, he's got takes. Uh, you can get your questions in early if you want for one last thing. But coming up, probably the single smartest and most successful ex bear weighed in on the state of the franchise. You'll hear it next on the score. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.